0: Hey, everybody. Okay, this is a bonus episode. This is extra. If 15 minutes of Parsha a week is not enough for you, if you're jonesing for more Parsha, then you you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one-hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, Just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Okay, well, let me say just a word about um, that I've been meaning uh, just a technical point as we're getting started here. I'm going to put this this uh, this into the, the the source sheet into the um, into the chat. And um, you I just I, I want to say this because I think some folks um, are n- not so sure what what website they're being linked to. So the website is Safaria. I prepare all my source sheets on safari really one of the great tools of our of our age of jewish learning and um and when you hit that uh when you hit that a uh, link it'll take you to to a screen like this probably and sometimes by the way it, uh, part of the reason i'm saying this is it takes you to this screen and you're like wait what's going on there's only hebrew here so just important to note that um, this button right here gives you English, Hebrew, or English Hebrew. And I try to link it to a, a, a link that will put you to English Hebrew, but even so you might be confused as you scroll down and oh, the English is here. the other the 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 other thing is that i um I have uh, the ability, and I don't think you can do side by side, but if I hit edit, then I'm like, um I'm side by side, and this is the way I teach the class because I wanna have the Hebrew there and the English there. So I tend to work from the, the edit page also because then I can edit in real time, which I like doing. So just um, uh, since we don't have any music this morning, just uh, wanna make this technical point that you uh, you can just follow along with me always. You don't need to click into the link, but if you do click into the link, you may find that you wanna play with the, with the language to make sure that it's, um, that it's you know it's 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 easy for you to follow okay so uh, Rabbi,
1: there is um an option to do side by side
0: to do side by side oh uh, and where is that rebecca
1: um if you click on language it's the same place um there'll be uh-huh. a bilingual layout uh-huh. option
0: let me go back to okay so here i am in the english and i yeah. will click on this language here and oh,
1: I don't know why yours doesn't have Maybe that. Maybe mine doesn't My, do it. Mine says yep. it will have a bilingual layout option. So can you
0: first, try bilingual clicking? has to be selected. Yeah. yeah. Click what the does that mean? Long.
1: Oh, click, click that. that. It, the under language in the middle there. Click on that.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and I see that. Oh, good. Once. You, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So once you, I, I just don't use this interface, so I'm less familiar. Once you click language, then you can do this or. <laughs> um, this, which is the way we tend to, to, to do it in class. Okay, so very helpful. Okay, so lots of options there. And this is probably the closest to the one we use in class. Again, you have to click uh, double, double language here, and then you get a bilingual layout. Okay, and so that should uh, that should pretty much take care of it. Um, good. All right. It's an opportunity to make a technical point. Um, Welcome to class. The music has just ended, and now I'm coming on stage, and here I am. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, let's begin. Uh, we have a big, big parsha this week, part parsha Lech uh, Lecha. It is um, we're in the early part of the Torah, so every every reading is is epic and tremendous. And um, we've been we've looked now at at Bereshit, the creation of the world, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and then the story of Noah in the last reading. Although last week, instead of looking at the story of Noah, what we did was um, looked at the end of that reading, which gave us a little bit of information about Abraham's um, history, his backstory, his um, his early life, and especially the house of his father Terach and the journeying of his father Terach. And we wondered um, how much uh, of of, of of, that, of Terach's influence can be felt in, in, in Abraham's life. Because the, the usual way of understanding Abraham or the most common way of understanding Abraham is that he was an iconoclast. He left his father's house, he left everything behind and he somehow saw what no one else could see and ventured out and became a whole new being, a whole new um, spiritual visionary. And there's some truth to that, but as we saw last week, there's also a lot of room to wonder whether Terach was beginning to have those. His father Terach was beginning to have those inclinations, and notably, we saw Terach starting to head out to the land of Canaan, never getting there, but starting to head out there. Okay, so that that was that that's that's that was good work and interesting work. Again, that's at the end of Parshat Noach, the second reading of the Torah, and we we usually miss it because it's just buried in a in a list of of descendants but if you look at it carefully there's a lot going on there that's what we that's what we covered last week uh, I just 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 to mention the the most dramatic Abraham's youngest brother dies and that's mentioned in the Torah so what what was that all about okay so we we wondered about that last week this week Lach lecha. this week is is the great grand opening of I don't know Judaism of uh, our tradition of this story which will follow this family for the rest of the Torah and the, and that's a it's a pretty significant pivot moment because so far and significantly in the Torah we've been dealing with humanity right just all people we and we and that's important too we are all descendants of Adam and Eve as the Torah tells it which means we're all human and we have that identity and that will that's a part of our tradition and part of our orientation ethical orientation we're 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 part of one human family, but this week we begin to see the development of our own family, our own particular family, the branch of Abraham, um, which uh, which which, as I said, we'll be following from now on. Now that grand opening, lech lecha, go, and Abraham goes. It's so grand that it um, it 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 sort of seduces us into thinking that abraham is fully formed at that moment it seduces us into thinking that whatever else happened in 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 the in the early years of his life when i we say the early years we mean set the first 75 right because abraham is 75 when he hears the call but whatever else happened before this was abraham a spiritual prodigy or did he learn the lessons from his some lessons from his father? Was there journeying before this? Whatever else happens when he gets lech lecha, when he, God calls out to him directly, we have this feeling that, oh my goodness, now Abraham's got it. Now he's, you know, he's tapped into the source and, and he's, and he's off and, and, um, and everything, um, everything uh, flows forth from there. So that's, that's a feeling we get from the opening lines. And to that, I would, I would just add one other um, impression. This is impressionistic. We're soon going to deconstruct these impressions. But one other impression that I always have when I read the story of Abraham, which is that Abraham seems in some ways like the, the least complicated of the, of, the, of the early patriarchs and matriarchs. That is, Jacob is extremely complicated. It's it's obvious to say that Jacob goes through all kinds of um, uh, uh, transformations, uh, journeys, spiritual developments. Jacob, Jacob clearly doesn't become Jacob un- until the, the middle of his life, maybe the end of his life, right? Is always in process. And Isaac is a complicated figure in part because he's so absent. I mean his most significant event is almost being killed by his father and then he's he's quiet and and uh, it's not so clear what he's thinking what he's up to. Those two are complicated figures and I sometimes feel that Abraham by contrast is just like he's just a a servant of God on a mission doing the thing. Does you know moves forward and um Abraham's known for his hospitality, his kindness. Just seems like a a good guy who's just tapped into God and is beginning, and he's the leader, and off we go. Something seems um, kind of um, straightforward about about Abraham as a as a personality, as a as a character, as a as a spiritual um, as a spiritual uh, ancestor of ours. What I want to do today, with all that said, is um, to deconstruct and to look at this parsha carefully. And as I looked at this Parsha this year, I was surprised to see that Abraham is by no means fully formed in the beginning of the journey. And in fact, this Parsha, which actually is a little bit of a mess in some ways, because it's Abraham journeying around, moving around, moving around, moving around, this this adventure, this adventure, as opposed to the Noah story, which is essentially one story. Abraham's story is like what's so many things are going as you up and down and traveling and Abraham's everywhere and significantly, and this is our topic today, as he moves through this journey, it seems that Lech Lecha was not the end of it, that he continues to have spiritual uh, uh, developments, transformations, awakenings along the way through to the very end of the Parsha and that Lech Lecha really should be thought of as not the the story that follows Abraham's spiritual realization, but actually the story of Abraham's spiritual realization, spiritual development, spiritual coming to be. And the story doesn't end here. So, so we, I, I'm, not, I'm not even assuming that Abraham is fully formed by the end of, of our Parsha, but we will see that by the end of our Parsha, a lot, a lot has happened to Abraham's um, spiritual life. Okay, so um, let's take a, a little break to say a blessing, and uh, and get ready to start Abraham's story. The story, uh, the Abraham story, which is which is our story. Okay. Baruch Ata Adonai Melech asher kidshanu lasok Torah. Okay. So here we go. So um, I gave you the source sheet. I'll put it in the chat one more time, and then. Um, we're going to just let's start just at the beginning. And as I said, lechlecha, and that in itself seems like a great spiritual breakthrough that God called out to Abraham, and that Abraham heard and followed, and ooh, that's not what I meant to do. Heard and followed and listened, and was the was that um that w- was ready. He was ready. Okay. So but let's take a look because even in the first lines of the parsha, we can see we can already see some some movement, some development. Um, soon after Abraham takes off on his journey. So let's take a look here. Hashem, lech lecha. Hashem, and I'm usually I translate this as the eternal, but I want to just leave this. This is the the divine name, the tetragrammaton, uh yud hei Vav Hey, we pronounce Adonai. We're going to leave it as Hashem here today, but names are going to be important. That's part of what I, what we're going to be tracking here. So I'm just, I'm leaving it in the, not the full Hebrew, but the, uh, but the, uh, here, you can change divine names so that there's no substitution. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, maybe I'll do that uh, for a minute. We're getting to, to know Safaria today. So divine names, no substitution, that puts it as, as this name, and this is the name this is the name, the central name of our tradition. Maybe we'll just leave it um, that way today. So Hashem said to Avram, and his name is not Abraham yet. Okay, his, his birth name is Avram. Okay, so that, we'll, we'll track that as well. Here's God's name, here's Abraham's name. So Hashem said to Avram, Lech lecha, Go forth from your native land and from your father's house, house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse the one who curses you and all the families of the earth shall, that should be an S, shall bless themselves by you. Avram, okay, now this is, this is what I was just talking about. And Avram went forth and he did it. He just went. This is, this is the spiritual greatness of Abraham. This is why we think of Abraham as, as ready. God called, he went, Boom. And he went as God commanded him, and Lot, Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Uh, Haran. A good lesson to all of us that our, our greatest adventures may, may may lay ahead, right? 75 when he started this journey. Okay, but look at the next few lines here, because soon something else very important happens that we are likely to miss because we're so focused on Lech Lecha. So Abraham took his wife Sarai, who also will receive a name change eventually, and his brother's son Lot, and all of the wealth that they had amassed and all the persons that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. We talked about this last week. It seems like Abraham's going to the, God hasn't mentioned the land of Canaan. seems like Abraham's going to a land that his father had been heading towards. Okay, listen to last week's class. When, when they arrived in the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem at the at the Terebinth of More, Alon Moreh. Okay. So, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Okay, so he's arrived in what will become the land of Israel, now the land of Canaan. And then this happens. Vayera Adonai El Avram. Adonai, God, appeared to Avram. And he said, and God said, I will assign this land to your offspring. So it's like Abraham gets there and then God says, okay, yes, this is it. Remember, I was going to show you, well, this is it. This is the land. And Abraham built an altar there to Hashem, who had appeared to him. I keep switching how I say this, because our tradition is never to pronounce this name. We never pronounce it entirely. Usually we say Adonai, and that we even say only during prayer. So the substitute for that is Hashem. So uh, you you'll hear me switch around a little bit, but this is this is the name we use for 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 our prayers to God. Okay, So he built an altar there to Hashem who had appeared to him. OK. Now, if I may just 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 point out the repetition here, I mean, first at first, it's just significant. God appears to Abraham. That's not happened before. We don't have that language before in the entire Torah so far god appears to someone god has been talking to people but what does it mean that god appears to someone and the verse emphasize it and then he built an altar to hashem Hanire alav who had appeared to him so there's an emphasis there so there's something new we didn't say god we didn't say god appeared to abraham and said go forth we just said god said this It's something he heard. And now there's something he sees or is witness to or is in front of him. Okay. And he built an altar there too, Hashem would appear to him and he built an altar and that's significant as well. And he keeps building altars. He's gonna build three over the course of our parsha. From there, he moved on to the hill country, east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And he built there another altar to Hashem. That second altar in 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 two verses. And more, Vay Krabashem Adonai. And he called out to Adonai by name. Okay. So that's already, that already seems to me like, whoa, there's a there's a step forward. And I want to just pause here and see what you make of this. That Abraham starts out receiving this call and goes, and I'm satisfied. Abraham is is a servant of God and yet then God appears to him then God appears to him and then Abraham chooses to build an altar and he keeps building altars and eventually he calls out to God by name okay so we're going to analyze this just this early development but does any anyone want to try to make some sense of what like why 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 God didn't appear at first why Abraham didn't build an altar at first what is the progression happening here from Lechlecha to God appearing Abraham building an altar and Abraham calling out to God by name these are all very powerful phrases calling out to God by name building an altar God appearing to him and we don't usually talk about those all we talk about is lech Lecha all right so let's let's uh let's begin to dig in here um okay I see uh, I see mur- murderers row here our usual our usual uh, first first attackers uh Noah. Uh, why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah, th- this is always an in- interesting part. And I'm going to touch on a-, a midrash that said Abraham was one of the ones that studied at Ye- the yeshiva of Shaman ever. And mm-hmm. I think the going out part, that's when he's going out to find himself, maybe find God, maybe find that divine spark. And then He's going to act on it. And lastly, he's going to perhaps see something or other. Maybe he saw a form of the divine. Maybe he saw something that was just a miracle. And there he finally builds an altar to designate this place as where he saw the divine. So, Okay, good, good.
0: The, the, so Noah gives us immediately a, a, a real reframe of the way we usually tell this story. We usually tell this story like Abraham and God are are now partners and Abraham's off to fulfill God's mission, whatever God wants. But as Noah puts it, Abraham's off to find something, to search for something. That's a very different telling of the story. God says to Abraham, go and Abraham goes, but it's not going with full confidence and in, in God and, and ready to do whatever God says, but actually, okay, let's figure out what this is all about. What, where, what, who is this speaking to me? And so when God appears, it's like, that's a response to, there's a, there's a back and forth here. God talks, Abraham goes, then God appears, Abraham builds an altar, then, uh, then, um, then Abraham begins to call God by name. There's a development here. And it's because Noah tells us, we might see Abraham's Lechlecha, Abraham's great going out as the beginning of a spiritual exp- exploration, not the consequence of a spiritual exp- exploration. Okay, Leah Matsui.
1: I agree. It's the beginning of a spiritual exploration, very necessary that he leaves his father and then is able to bring forth the specific skills that he learned at his father's knee, so to speak, his father being a sculptor. So who better would know how to build an altar? Who better would know how to work in stone than Abraham?
0: Okay, all right, these are great speculations. Where did Abraham learn how to build an altar? So we did some wondering last week around the question of what he might have learned from his father. And Leah just like offered a very surprising a uh, very, very, uh, very ironic version of that, where it, the midrash tells us that Abraham's father made idols, so he was a he had a shop and he made things, and Abraham was someone who knew how to make things, and so instead of idols, he made uh, altars. That that's a good, that's an interesting reading, but but now that Leah mentions Abraham studying and learning things, um, she takes us r- right right to. Um, the heart of one of the one of the 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 one of the the modes of analysis that I want um, us to to engage in today. Um, it, it, following exactly that question, where is Abraham learning this stuff? Where is Abraham like absorbing this, this this spiritual practice? Did he built an altar? Why did he build an altar? How did you know? That an altar was a good thing to build. So maybe he learned how to build from Terach, but there is one other person who's built an altar so far in the Torah. Do you remember who that is? One other person who built an altar. Noah. Noah. That's correct. Noah. Noah, Hiro, thank you. Noah built an altar after the flood. Noah was the first person to build an altar. So now that's interesting. Same exact language. Noah, mizbeach Noah built an altar to Hashem and taking of every pure animal and every pure bird. Cause remember he had a lot of animals on that. He offered burnt offerings on the altar. So that's pretty interesting. That's striking exact same language. Only person before Abraham was his ancestor 10 generations back. So when Abraham builds an altar, he's not coming out of nowhere. There's some tradition of altar building and offering. And when Abraham builds it, Abraham's the first person to do it multiple times, right? We only have record of Noah doing it once, but there's some connection there. And now that we've established that connection, let me make one other connection for you, which is that he called out to God by name, He called out to Hashem by name. Well, has anyone ever called out to God by name? Yes. There's also one other mention of calling out to God by name, and this is even earlier. Adam had Cain and Abel, and that was a disaster. And then um, Adam and Eve had another child. She bore a son and named him Seth, meaning God has provided me with another offspring in place of Abel. Right? uh, Shatli gave to me another offspring, for Cain had killed him, and Seth in turn. To Seth, in turn, a son was born. So now this is this is third generation of humanity, right? Adam and Eve's grandchild, and he was named Enosh. It was then that Hashem Adonai began to be called by name. Same phrase there, Likrob Hashem Adonai. Okay, now that enough is we could talk about for the rest of the class, because th- th- that's, 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 that's one of the big questions I have for us today how do we How do we understand Abraham's spiritual work here once we see that it echoes the spiritual advancements of earlier generations, the spiritual breakthroughs of earlier generations? Noah built an altar. Enosh called God by name. Abraham heard the call from God and went. But then, when God appeared to him, he built an altar, built another al- altar, and called to God by name. So now we've got a, a now we've got a, a a a history. Now we've got some source. Now we've got some some notion of where Abraham might be getting this from. Okay. So let me um uh, turn to some new folks here. Katie.
1: Hi, I. Um, was really struck with kind of God's promise and thinking about Jacob's promise later on where God says, go out, like God says to Abraham, go out and I will do all these things. And sort of the inverse is happening in the future where Jacob says, if you do all this for me, God, I will then tithe to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if the Hebrew structure has the same if then when God says it to Abraham, but I was just kind of struck that I don't know how risky it actually was for Abraham to go out because he's sort of in a position to sort of test and say, like, is God going to do this for me? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting.
0: That, I, I, that's a great um, framing that you, that you give us, Katie. We, we might think about that with Jacob and we might think about that with Abraham or really anyone who's in contact with God. What is the back and forth? What is the conversation? And some of that is, what will you give me? What will I give you? Do we trust each other? And we'll see that come up in Abraham's story. There is—it's not clear, though. It's—it's it's, again. It seems so. Lech lecha, he goes. Oh boy, he trusts God. They're—they're—they're they're, they're in lockstep. But is Abraham—is Abraham making offerings in order to see if God will respond? is God appearing in order to see if Abraham will respond, is there some sort of conversation that we can track some sort of negotiation some sort of um, reciprocation back and forth here that we can track as as we move forward great questions Susan Lily. I wanted to
1: kind of comment about the God appearing, Um, we know that uh, when Moses saw God that Torah tells us about the burning, you know, the burning bush and Ezekiel has celestial visions that are described in great detail. And here we have this momentous occasion that seems like a missed opportunity for the Torah to tell us, well, what did he look like? What did he say? What, did, what was it that Abraham saw, Avram saw?
0: Exactly, yeah, you, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, you're, you're putting it so well, Susan. That, that is, that's, that's part of my point here. It's rather startling that God suddenly appears to Abraham and that that's not the main focus of our Parsha. And the main focus, the opening, the, 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 what the Parsha is famous for is Abraham go hearing and going, but God appeared to Abraham, what is that? And to, to make the point even, even stronger, um, what is the next Parsha called? What's the next Parsha called? Vayera, God appeared to Abraham. So it's like eventually we we make a big deal out of that. God appeared to Abraham as Abraham was sitting uh at the tent. But here it's just sort of past it sort of passes we pass right through it as Abraham's doing his journeying, right? So Susan wants to know, well what was that like, God appearing to Abraham? And you know, we may blow by it, but Abraham didn't. Abraham is built built two altars in two verses, called out to God by name. There's something happening here, okay? Um uh marla okay that's that's a that's a that's a wonderful um that's a, a a wonderful uh history to to put into dialogue with everything that we've been talking about here because let's not forget and and david is reminding us abraham rejected things he did i mean that's what he is most famous for he came from a, from a world of you know what we later come to call idolatry and yeah we've got like we've got like stories about it but on some basic level the history is clear that abraham departed from an earlier spiritual surrounding that he was in right um, he left ur kazdim and we can think about what who were the 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 kazdim and what 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 was their form of worship and why was it so revolutionary that Abraham came to focus on this one God. All of that is true. And let's just put that in conversation with everything we've been saying, which is that we can we we can come to think of Abraham as someone who is sifting through the past and trying to figure out what is what worked. What what what's good? And not just the past, but the present. Abraham comes into contact with someone who blesses the God most high. That's good. Yeah, that sounds right. But there are other things that Abraham is encountering, maybe. Maybe what's going on in, in, in Sodom, for example, that Abraham says, Ooh, that's, that's not good. Those people are too violent. Those people worship um, the moon. Those people, that, that's, not our, that's not our tradition. Right? So imagine Abraham sort of sifting through and trying to come up with what's the truth, what's the essence in all of this that should be carried forward, and what needs to be left behind. Very powerful framing of Abraham there. Agnes.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel sad to miss the last week's conversation because it feels super relevant. But I think I'm thinking of your sermon this last Shabbat too, in that the elements of this journey that we've been unpacking of Abraham leaving, building, and then calling God by name feel like they're a very intentional remix of the Babel story. And that Babel starts with a desire for a name by way of building, lest we be scattered. And it, Abraham in some ways does those same actions, but in reverse. First, he's scattered. He goes out. And then he builds, but not a singular tower, multiple altars and other places. And only then he arrives at this name and not his own name, but the name of God. And I feel like it's almost an argument that like naming shouldn't be about consolidation. Like identity is not about having to be in one place and fixing this thing. It's actually God, this this idea that a name could name something that is everywhere and expansive. So when he uses the language of this other priest to refer to God, it's almost like we're in this post-Babel world of many languages. He's like, this the name of God can exist in my language, it can exist in your language. It feels like the the remix is not just taking elements from things that have been before. It's like reordering them in a meaningful
0: way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, you know, you remind you you're, you're, you're reminding us of of my sermon last week and and um and the the shocking commentary of the of the Ibn Ezra that says that Abraham was at the Tower of Babel and was one of the builders of the Tower of Babel right that's that's what i spoke about and um and agnes is, is is right to 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 imagine that if you know if that were true that would also be part of the of the journey babel itself as part of hum, humanity's journey to try and figure out what it means to 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 be in good relationship with god but imagine abraham at the site and imagine abraham perhaps implicated in the building of the tower of babel what um that suggests to us, and especially now in the sweep of, of, of the Abraham that we're that we're following, um, and, and this is really, and if nothing else, this is this is what I'm learning this year, what I'm realizing this year, and 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 maybe the the mo- the, the, the most central takeaway of, of this study of Abraham is that as I said, we tend to think of Abraham as just like, well, you know, just like a, a good follower of God, spiritual figure, that's all there is to it. And in fact, it seems that Abraham's life and and development was much more complicated than that. As much Abraham was a much more complicated figure than we tend to give him credit for. And there was there there were there were all kinds of of steps along the way that brought Abraham to be Abraham. What if Abraham was one of the builders of the tower? Right? What if Abraham worshiped idols once upon a time, right? And then had a revelation, but that's still not enough. Then he has to have another revelation and another revelation. He has to keep learning because that's, that is the spiritual life we always have to keep learning. All right, let me take one last comment from Alexandra, and then I want to look at a, one last text with you. Thank you
1: so much for the class. Um, I'm really enjoying this discussion. I, I had some tech issues at the beginning, so I, I hope this wasn't already said, but to me, his spiritual journey, I love how it how, what Agnes said and, and I missed your sermon, but I love the idea that it echoes the, the story of Babel. I was thinking it echoes the the Jews leaving Egypt and how they they go, they get out, they go, and then, they build something. They they actually build something, and and the for, as they're going, they don't have a concept of God. They their concept of God is developed um, as a people uh, throughout their time in the desert, through building the Mishkan, through through every, that generation's struggle, and and through the revelation at Sinai, and 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 it continues to develop um, beyond that. Uh, but so I, I think maybe that's like the, maybe that's what a spiritual journey is. Like you, you go, you do it. You don't question at first because that's not a sophisticated way, but then eventually you do learn to question because that is more sophisticated and you learn where you can and you especially learn from God. And I think, I think we, we don't get, we were getting like the cliff notes of their relationship not that the Torah has clip notes, that's a horrible thing to say, but we're we're, we're getting like not every conversation Avraham has with God. We don't get when God's like, yo, Abe, like, how are you doing? Like, get up, go look, there's a butterfly out there. That's gorgeous. Go see it. I did that for you. Like we're missing the little moments that teach Avraham who God is. So he eventually learns to question, eventually learn, and eventually, they become
0: partners. Mm. Okay, that is so beautifully put, Alexandra. And that really should be the end of the class because Alexandra really has given us our our punctuation. Uh, is given, or, and the punctuation is really a, a an ellipsis, right? Like dot dot dot. And so too for the future of of our entire peoplehood. It will always be a a, a spiritual learning journey. And what moses will understand about god is advanced of what abraham understood about god not because he was better but because that's the way it works we're always building on on earlier realizations and sifting through and so once moses is in contact with god there's a step forward in fact god says to him i appeared to abraham isaac and jacob in one way i'm appearing to you in a different way right there's there's greater and greater spiritual insight we hope as we move through history, and you know, maybe we've gotten to a place where we realize God doesn't need burnt offerings. Right? Maybe the, the, the Rambam Maimonides would suggest we're spiritually advanced of that civilization, and that worked for that time, but we keep moving forward we keep sharpening our understanding of God and we'll never get there. Right? That really is the uh, that's really in some ways, the point and we should just end there. Um, since I have a few minutes left, I'll, I'll just show you one last thing. I realized even as I was putting this source sheet together, there's way too much on here. And w- w- one of the things that's way too much is there are two covenants given to Abraham in this week's Parsha. So now I, that's really a whole separate, I, as, as I was as I getting ready to teach this, I was like, I don't know, there's no way I'm going to get to both covenants. And I won't. But as we are tracking Abraham's journey through Parsha, just note the fact that Abraham that God makes one covenant with Abraham um what's called the covenant of the pieces because he cuts up all these pieces of offerings and walks through them and there's some spiritual thing that happens there it's it's all happens in a in a haze of a vision um so that's one covenant um uh here in chapter 15 the word of Hashem came to Avram in a vision okay so there's that's that's important but we don't have time for that today and God made a covenant, but then just two chapters later, God makes another covenant. And I just wanna end with this language. When Abraham was 99 years old, 99 years old, okay, 24 years later, uh, Hashem, Adonai, appeared to Avram and said, new name, I am El Shaddai. I'm El Shaddai. Walk in my ways and be pure, and I will establish my covenant between me and you. Uh, Okay, another covenant. So as we're thinking about Abraham, You know, learning from repetition, (laughs) learning from from what's taken place in the past. There's there's what to talk about there of just like doubling. Abraham needing multiple covenants. What does that mean? Lots of interesting things happen in here, such as Abraham getting his name Abraham, which we could have spent a whole hour on, and of course Abraham being circumcised. That's that's the nature of this covenant. But I just want to end by by doing what we did at the outset, which is looking at the words of God's um god's offering here of a, of a new covenant god says i am El should i walk in my ways and be pure now have we ever seen anyone else walk in god's ways and be pure yes we have once again yeah. noah walked with god and was pure in his generation and noah wasn't even the first because Hanoch walked with god okay so there's more analysis to be done there, but there's, there's a version at the end of what we saw at the beginning, which is that Abraham is, is echoing some of the spiritual insights of the past. Surely he is leaving some of them behind, but he is carrying some of them forward. And maybe the last thing I'll say is just that this moment when God says, walk before me and be pure, now it's God referencing Noah. It's almost, I, I I don't, you know, I wish we had more time, but it's almost like God is understanding that Abraham is a spiritual student. And so God is giving him language from the past. Be like Noah in some ways. Be like Hanoch in some ways. Here are some spiritual reference points for what I want from you. And maybe Abraham, who didn't get the first covenant exactly right, right? Maybe Abraham now is like, I get it. You mean like my ancestor Noah used to walk with God, I shall walk with God, right? I get it, like my ancestors used to do, they are onto something, I'm gonna take it the next step forward. And that is maybe a, a, a more complex, but a maybe maybe a truer picture of what Abraham's mission and journey and above all spiritual development was all about. So thank you all for your time. I'm sorry not to be able to hear from all of you, um, but we'll, uh, we'll pick up with more from Abraham next week. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime, and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week.